0: I had trapped myself in a position where I had to manage this team and make sure everything was running and putting processes and all that stuff in place. And I was no longer a web developer. I was a salesperson. I was a project manager. And there were little nagging voices telling me, wait a minute, this is stressing you out. But I was ignoring all that in exchange for the big dream of having a big business and a lot of money and getting to be a big boss man. And I think that happens more often than people care to admit, where you just have that feeling in your gut that you're going in the wrong direction, but you're doing it anyway.
1: Hey, Feasters, and welcome to episode seven of Living the Feast. I'm sure you'll recognize this guest's voice, especially if you listen to other freelance podcasts. Matt Englott is the host of Freelance Transformation and I'm excited he was willing to come on the show today and share his amazing story with us. If you're new to the show, I'm Jason, or Rez if you'd like, and Live in the Feast is a podcast for freelancers like yourself looking to build a profitable freelance business by building recurring revenue and specializing your business so that you can live the life of your own design. If you aren't new to the show, and why would you be? Because the show is so awesome, right? But if you enjoy what we do here, why not head on over to iTunes and hit that subscribe button so you get notified as soon as the next episode drops. Like a lot of freelancers, Matt had this big dream of owning an agency, living the life, traveling, and building a business that allowed him to step away. And while Matt is doing that now, he didn't start out that way. In fact, he had an agency, an office, and employees He soon realized a few things, though, about himself and what the path looked like that he was on. In this episode, you'll hear how Matt decided to dump the idea of being a big boss man and reset his mindset. He'll walk us through his decision to get rid of his agency, his feelings towards the type of business he wanted to build, and ultimately how he was able to step away and propose to his wife over in Europe on that vacation that he so wanted. You ready? Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for web developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers of all type wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that's profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing, and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to respected person for your services. That, together with monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, Expert chit chats and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to live the life of your own design. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast. Head over to feastcourse.com today. Hey, Feasters. And today's featured guest is Matt Inglot. Welcome,
0: Matt. Hey, thanks so much for having me here, Jason.
1: Matt is a husband, a web agency owner. He's founded his web agency, Tilted Pixel, well over a decade now, right? And he does client service work um, with e-commerce and B2B companies. Um, However, you've probably heard him as the voice of the freelance transformation podcast and that's a long running podcast coming up on 200 episodes. I mean, that's, that's great. Congratulations on that. But Matt, I, I'm sure I didn't do justice to that intro. Um, why don't you tell us who you are and why you do what you do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you hit all the major points there. But yeah, I have been in the website development game for close to 13 years now. It started back in university as me desperately needing money to survive <laughs> and <laughs> transitioned to me trying to build an agency and then transitioning to me realizing or I don't want to create a giant company and I want to have all the awesome freedom that... Comes of having a small remote business instead. And yeah, I live in Calgary, Alberta now. And that's uh, that's a picture of Lake Louise right behind me. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite places out there. Yeah, and uh, like you said, the Freelance Transformation Podcast is coming up to the very scary number of two hundred (laughs) episodes.
1: That's awesome. You ever, you ever like? It's funny when I think back now, like when I'm talking with folks, um, and I think back of how long ago I started this. And you ever think like that? Like, holy cow, I've been doing this a long time now, right?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't matter what point in the timeline you go back to. Like the podcast, for sure, that was three years ago. It feels like an eternity. And at the same time, it feels like yesterday. And same with starting my agency.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... I call, you know, people that have been doing this like a, over a decade and, and 15 years plus and stuff like us. I've been doing this since the late nineties, freelancing, you know, full time for a decade. Um, and, you know, there's no going back now, but it, you know, I just like, it's like freelance veterans. Like they're, <laughs> you know, like we, we've been doing this so long. It's like, it's a wonder, like, you know, like this freelance thing now is like, cool again. Like, you know, it's like, I always look, I always think about like freelance back in like the fifties and forties and thirties was always artists or writers. It was so romanticized. And now it's like, all right, how can I just work from home and sit in my chair? Like, (laughs) it's like, how do I do that? Like, that's what I want to do. So I, I always, I like to ask, I like to ask guests what so far in your life has been your defining moment?
0: Yeah. And you mentioned you were going to ask this. I've been thinking about that. And obviously, it's hard because I mean, I'm relatively young. I'm 33 years old. But You know, stuff's happened. (laughs) So I I think the most defining moment, though, is definitely when I had to make the hard decision of going from having an office space and employees to shutting that down and reinventing my agency and my business and my life. Because at that point, I had done so many things wrong. And I had built this business where I had a team and I had a gorgeous office space painted in like 11 different colors, you know, trying to imitate Google and all of that stuff. But all All of that was a lot of overhead. And at the same time, I hadn't quite yet figured out who our ideal clients were, or what client acquisition really looked like. So I was kind of playing in the small leagues, and I had big league expenses, and the whole thing wasn't working. And coming to grips with that at the start of 2011, and actually having to admit myself that that was failing. That wasn't going to work. That big dream uh, was over. And then having to do the very difficult thing of figuring out how to dig my way out of it, that was still some of the most like, stressful time in my life. But it was also a huge time for personal growth because it forced me to really look at my business. It forced me to figure out what was working and what wasn't. And it forced me to realize that you know sometimes bad things happen. And I didn't think that was something that I could ever come back from or that I could even get through. And then fast forward, well, here I am. And I did get through it and I did come back from it. And I actually built an amazing business out of that wreckage. Uh, so that I would say is definitely the defining moment.
1: So there's a lot there. I mean, how, how did you... What, <laughs> what size team did you have at that point in time that you've realized that it wasn't working?
0: I believe there was five of us at that point, and everybody was like full time, and you know, collecting a steady paycheck, and we had the office rent to pay, and the coffee guy to water guy, all of that stuff. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how expensive it is to run the traditional brick and mortar business. Sure,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, overhead, yeah. I mean, that's 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 why I work from home, right? Yeah, me too. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, what was I mean, there had to have been a point at which, I mean, outside, I'm sure the finances and stuff like that, that's what was the big stress factor in that decision. But was there any sort of point at which you were thinking like, hey, look, this isn't, I don't want to have that big office. I don't want all of these people. I mean, what was that? What was that inside of you that you were struggling with that initially that's what you wanted and then all of a sudden you realize maybe this isn't isn't right?
0: Well, let's rewind a little bit because the warning signs were all over the place, I think arguably for years. So everything started innocently enough. Like I said, I was going to university and I started website development mostly because I had a kick-ass job at a startup company that I was uh, working at part-time and going to school. And I learned the hard way that startups tend to run out of money. And Mm -hmm. when they do that, they let you go. And that's exactly what played out here. I walked in one day, the lights were all kind of dim. there weren't many people in the office, and I was kind of like, what's going on? And it turns out like a third of a staff had been let go that day, myself included, I found out because my username and password weren't working on my laptop. (laughs) Yeah, not fun. And then... Yeah. And then the company itself went bankrupt like a year later. So it was done. And I desperately needed money. I was living on my own. I was paying my own tuition, everything. So, you know, everything one has to do is support oneself. And I realized it was like, okay, I either got to go get a job flipping burgers or something, or I got to figure something else out. So that's where I started building websites for people. And it started off really well. I built my first website for $300, which isn't a lot of money now, but it's a lot of money when you're a student and sure. you've never seen. Sold a website before. And then the next website I sold was something like $750. And then pretty soon I was building stuff for like $1,000, $1,500. It just kind of kept building and building. And pretty soon I realized, hey, wait a minute, there's something here. I could keep building this business instead of trying to get a job at like a tech company or something. So I decided, well, I'm going to build a big business because I I think I'm naturally ambitious. And at the time, I was also living in Waterloo, uh, Ontario in Canada. And that's kind of like Canada's little version of Silicon Valley. And the mantra there is growth, growth above everything else, just like Silicon Valley. So that naturally is something that kind of spilled over on me. So I said, I'm going to build a big business. And that's where I started hiring people. I rented out an office space. I hired my first full-time developer all while still going to university. So I'd be Mr. Big Boss Man <laughs> during the day and then I'd be getting drunk at university parties <laughs> at night. Like it, it was the weirdest like two sure. completely different people. And and for a while it was working. I was getting bigger and bigger clients and I was starting to hire more and more people. And somewhere along the way, it did start feeling a little weird. I was there was a nagging voice that was telling me, maybe I'm not the best manager. I didn't enjoy managing people. I didn't enjoy having to go into the office. That's the thing. It was so exciting to have an office space. I felt so proud of it for the first couple of weeks. And after that, well, I was doing the same thing I hated about like regular 9 to 5 jobs. I had to go to work. And I had to be there at a particular time. And because I had a team, I wanted to be the first one there and the last one to leave to set a good example. So I had trapped myself in that. I had trapped myself in a position where I had to manage this team and make sure everything was running and putting processes and all that stuff in place. I had to deal with all the administrative stuff that happens of running a business. And it was all really stressful, especially knowing that we had to have a certain amount of money in the bank every month. And I was no longer a web developer, I was a salesperson, I was a project manager. And I opened that office in 2008. And as I told you, 2011 was kind of when things fell apart. So there was a good 3 years, over 3 years of time during which the writing was already on the wall before I made a bunch of hires, before I expanded into a bigger office space. There were little nagging voices telling me, Wait a minute. This is stressing you out. You don't enjoy this. You're creating a 95 job. But I was ignoring all that in exchange for the big dream of having a big business and a lot of money and all the stuff that came with with it and getting to be a big boss man. So you know, you're asking like, when did you first realize this? I mean, you could argue a few weeks after I got my first office, but it didn't sink in for a lot longer because I just pushed that voice away. And I think I can't be the only one. I think that happens more often than people care to admit where you just have that like feeling in your gut that you're going in the wrong direction, but you're doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was very much the same. I didn't have an office. I didn't have a team, but I was. there was a point at which where I felt I needed to hire other developers. And so I had essentially contracted out two or three other developers to help me build work. And very much like you, I was like, Wait, I had a full-time job where I was a senior developer and I was managing other developers and I didn't like that. So what am I doing here? Why am I, why am I recreating this, this wheel that I, that I went away from? Right. Um, and you know, it's, you know what it is too? I feel like it's, it was for me, it was swallowing this ego of always trying to, like you were saying, like be big boss man, but it was to, You know, I wanted more money, you know, I wanted bigger things for myself and my, you know, future family because that I wasn't even married at that time and all that. But it was some soul searching to like accept the fact that I'm okay with being a solo business owner. And now I'm proud of it. And, you know, I only need a handful of clients to be able to live the kind of life that I want and be able to support my family and such. But yeah, I think there are a lot of people that do. They just push forward and they, they find themselves in a bad spot and feel stuck at times. So how, how did you sort of back away from that? Like, how did you tell your team, like, hey, look, I'm, this isn't the direction we're going to go anymore?
0: Yeah. uh, Those were some hard moments. And I want to say that there was this like day where I just walked into the office and let everyone go. And that's not at all how it went down. It kind of happened slowly, painfully, and organically, where uh, a few months before that, I had a developer leave that I had just hired. And I was really counting on that. And then... Basically, my other two developers (laughs) disappeared and, well, you know, chose to leave as well. And I suddenly found myself without a development team, and I only had like my administrative assistant and I had some contract graphic designer. And so all of that was kind of already crumbling around me by the time I decided to let go of the office space. So there wasn't one big day where it was like, okay, this is what we're doing. It was kind of just like, Well, everything's starting to fall apart. We're we're kind of out of money. Uh, We can't do the work because the development team just kind of disappeared over like the past six months. So it was very much a very volatile and very changing situation. But it was... Uh, At the end of 2010, beginning of 2011, where I threw in the towel and said, I do need to change this. Because before that, I was like, okay, how do I solve this? How do I find another developer? How do I do this? How do I pay rent? It was basically just trying to restore the status quo. Quote uh, even as everything was falling apart, and it was that moment that you know I said to myself, you know what, I I just can't do this anymore. But at that point, the the team was the easiest part of it, um, <laughs> oh, and, and then I, and then I had a five year lease as well, so I had to find a way out of that because commercial leases are not the same as like renting an apartment. My goodness, Uh, (laughs) very very difficult stuff. But luckily, I I found someone else to take over the lease, and it all kind of worked out.
1: Wow, yeah, (laughs) that's funny. I would, I mean, I'm. I always tell people you you got to embrace the hard, difficult conversations. But I couldn't even imagine, like, if to sit down with folks and say, "Look, this just isn't the way we're going anymore, and I'm gonna have to let you go." I know I've had. I've had conversations with people that have had to have those conversations and, you know, they all feel terrible. You know, it's and that was that was part of my thing, too, is like, do I want to be responsible like you? I wanted to set that example. I wanted to make sure that there was, you know, everybody was okay before I was okay. you know, and that was for me, I was just like, this is even more stressful than when I just had to manage and make sure that the projects were going in on time. Now I got to make sure that their food is on the table, right? Um, it's totally different. But um, you totally backed away from that agency it, essentially, and reinvented your agency in a matter of speaking, right? So, did you just say, hey, look, I'm just going to take my laptop, work from home, start from scratch again or did you carry on some clients past work or how did how did that look like did you i mean i no doubt you went through a discovery period of who you really wanted to work with and the types of clients that you wanted to work for but did you essentially tell all clients at all projects like this is all done and no more or did you have to refer the work off what did that look like
0: Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I kept the clients. They were, they were the source of money. There was a discovery period. I, I like the term where I did have to figure out, well, what is working in this business and what isn't? And that was actually one of the key things that so much of my problems came from taking on the wrong clients and not really knowing how to target the right clients. So as part of really. Looking at what was working, I discovered that it was the classic 80-20 rule where most of our actual profits, so money in the bank after you've paid your development team, after you've pretended to pay yourself for your time for managing the project and doing the sales and everything, those profits were coming from a very small number of bigger clients that continue to work with us year after year they were driving everything. Everybody else, when we were building like $5,000 websites... I mean, every time I took on one of those projects, it was basically a loss to the company. If you did the proper accounting, it looked like we were making money. But not if you factored in my time and not if you factored in like what maybe I should have been paying people and all of that. Uh, It just wasn't worth it. So when I closed down the office... I wasn't in a position to just say no to those clients or not finish those projects. Uh, I finished it all. Um, I'm not a designer and our, my graphic designer stayed on. So that was fine. But I did all the programming and everything and you know all the stuff that normally the team would have done. And those were some long hours and long nights, but it had to be done. And the money had to be collected. And there wasn't any sudden, hey, clients were letting you go. Now, over time, who our clients are has changed dramatically. So over time, the wrong clients have naturally filtered out because we charge way more money now. We have a different focus. Uh, there's different things that we're... Good at so as those clients' websites aged and everything, and you know it was time for them to get another new site. That's when we parted ways. Uh, I don't like the idea of letting a client just hang there unless you know they're being abusive or something like that. That's a completely different thing. But if they've put their trust in us, we're going to deliver, and that's always been my philosophy. But over time, I filtered it out, so it wasn't. It wasn't, again, one day where everything just happened. It was more of about a year period where everything was transitioning. I was working hard to get these projects done, um, living cheap. Uh, at that point, when we closed down the office, we also had $40,000 in the bank account. Basically, our line of credit was pretty much maxed out and a longer term debt as well that I forget how much was left on it. I'm gonna guess like still a good twenty thirty grand, so there was a lot of money to be paid back <laughs> sure,
1: um, yeah. so
0: so I was starting from worse than zero in a lot of ways, but you know, I took things seriously. I had cut out my overhead, and I doubled down on the types of clients and pricing that were gonna make this work.
1: Mm. so how did you define those clients? Did you you know go through a process of which like you interviewed your existing clients or you were just kind of just self-exploration on, on those cl- types of clients? How, what was your process? What did that look like?
0: The first thing to do was to take a look at what clients were profitable and take a cue from that. And I realized, again, they were bigger projects. They were clients that were working for a long time with us. So the question then became, well, what made those projects bigger and what made those clients stick around? And I realized a lot of these... Clients, their website was really important to their business. Uh, that's where you know they had sales coming through directly, or it was a pivotal aspect of their sales. Uh, or, sorry, their lead generation. It played a really big role in their business. Meaning, if they didn't have a great site, and if it wasn't working, and if it didn't have a bunch of more advanced functionality, then the client would be out of a lot of money or missing out on a lot of money. So those were the clients that naturally gravitated. To to us because we were very good at a lot of the technical aspects. Plus, uh, despite me not being very good at marketing my own agency, we, we were pretty good at the marketing aspect as well and conversions and all of that. So that's where I turned around and started looking for more of these. And over the next however many years, I started raising my rates over and over again and started focusing more and more on who it is that we served and at one point it was strictly lead generation and e-commerce and that's kind of now evolved into lead generation and specifically membership sites and like highly custom ones not like online courses but like if you have like a financial membership site that has all these like financial tools and things like that that's the kind of thing that we build now and there's all sorts of cool payment automation and everything that goes along with that. And that works really well with us because somebody that runs a membership site, well, that is their business, right? Um, so they, they can't really operate without it. They they put a premium on it working correctly. And it's very easy to demonstrate your value because you can help the client get more members. You can help the client retain their, their members. You can help the members have an amazing experience. And that is something we're really good at. And that's... You know, to paint you a financial version of that picture, it's going from selling $5,000 websites to $10,000 websites to $20,000 websites. And now a typical starting project is at least 40,000 and oftentimes much more. These are much more involved pieces now. And also our rates are just higher and we can justify them because we create results.
1: Right, yeah, and I think that that's important there that especially what you said at the end is you could justify it with past results, right, like you could prove that their investment in you and your company that hey, look, this is what we've this is our track record, and if you sign on, this is the r o i you can get right so um, and I think that that's especially when I talk to a lot of people they they get hung up on. Because I work mainly with e-commerce businesses, they say, Oh, it's so easy to price anchor yourself because you, you're essentially bringing the money to the table. And I say, I agree, but hmm. design is also the same thing, right? If you, if you can prove that what you do, the service that you provide and the solution that you're giving to your clients either saves them time, earns them more money or both, because no matter what they do, they're all going to fall into one of those three buckets. Then that's when you can price anchor yourself to that, that ROI that they feel right. You know, it's, I had a, a coaching client who was, she was just a designer and, you know, she said that, you know, look, I, I don't even program, right? Like I just, I basically do mockups of the website and hand it off to a programmer. And she said, I just charge by the hour and i said but you know you have beautiful looking sites obviously you put some thought into the ui of the site meaning where you want the people to get to that's the experience that you bring to the table because that's the that's what people are going that's what businesses care about they don't care that you know you're using a special font or something like that but unless it's on brand right like it has to be on brand but if you're bringing customers or leads or phone calls or money or whatever it is to the business that's important to them, that's the value, right? And that's when you can start charging for your experience, charging instead of tying it to the time, you're tying it to the experience that you have,
0: yeah, absolutely. And if you wanna earn more, I would say that's mandatory. Like you have to be able to connect the dots. I was talking with another gentleman in early today, and one of the things that we touched on was the fact that even if like you make a beautiful design a beautiful website let's say and it's super creative and aesthetically pleasing and you pick just the right color palette and just the right fonts it is entirely possible that you will launch that website and key performance metrics will actually go down conversions will go down sales will go down Because, I mean, it happens. It's a big redesign. And oftentimes, it's after a couple iterations of measuring and finding out, okay, well, 90% of this design works, but we took out this one button and it turns out that button was responsible for a lot of revenue. That's when you can finally get that website back up to baseline and then actually making more money than it did before but someone that merely designs and focuses merely on the design aspect and doesn't tie their work back into the business results will completely overlook that. And they'll, you know, the client might have a new website that looks better but isn't actually bringing in more money. Might be bringing in less.
1: And they won't be happy. No. <laughs> which, which doesn't make a good for for, port, for for portfolio pieces for referrals and all that. I'm always you find the biggest pain point of the clients that you serve and be able to have a track record of proven results. That's when you find that the job becomes a lot more easy, right? Like, cause you know what to expect, you know, you know the results that you're going to get. So we talked about a lot of the low points. What's the highest point in your freelance journey so far?
0: There's two times that I'm particularly proud of. Um, The first was in 2012. I took my first real vacation. After years and years of slaving away at this business and going through all everything that happened, I went to Poland for 2 months with my girlfriend at the time. I actually ended up proposing to her while we were there. And for 2 months, all the work I did was checking my email once a week. And that's it. And that was truly... Just looking back at it and being able to say, like, last year, I I thought life was over. And now it's like, look at me. At 2 months, I'm just hanging out, getting to see my home country, getting to meet a lot of family that I haven't seen since I was little, just getting to experience life. And I'm able to do that while my business continues to run. And that was an amazing feeling. And then I basically repeated that trick the next year. And I went uh, with my fiance. um, And uh, we went to uh, Croatia and we rock climbed for a month. And we'd basically wake up every morning, we'd go rock climbing, and then we'd do some work and stuff in the afternoon and evening. Uh, And thanks to time zones, clients didn't even notice. So (laughs) yeah, it's that kind of lifestyle enabling, especially after I had originally built my Business in a kind of lifestyle crushing way uh, that is really memorable for me and is a really a big high point.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Rock climbing, taking months off. I I haven't done that yet. I've taken weeks off, but I haven't taken full full on months off yet. Um, but I'd like to get there. It's just as a solo business owner, <laughs> it's hard, right? Um, but yeah, you know, we'll get there. So, how what's your team? How much? How many people do you have on your team today?
0: Yeah, excellent question. So I still have four or five, but it's a completely different model. And the only person on payroll really is my admin, uh, my admin assistant. Everybody else is contract. So all the production work gets done by other freelancers, freelancers that I know and trust and have worked with for years. This is not like outsourcing to India and letting anybody do your work for you. This is building up real relationships, building up a real team, building up real processes. But now everything is virtual. Uh, Everything is done by really high-end people. People that I probably could not afford if I had to pay them full-time and try to scrap together enough hours for them to work full-time. So I have really high-quality talent. And we've worked really well together. And... It's a night and day difference because I'm not spending all my time managing and putting out fires and training junior people. So it's weird. It's like technically the headcount's the same or similar, but it's it's completely different at the same time.
1: Mm. I mean, hey, you learned, right? You learned from (laughs) past experience, and that that's what I mean. That's what it's all about, really. Too. Like you mentioned early on that you saw it as a failure, but I don't know. I don't. I feel like if you don't if you don't learn from your mistakes and and quote unquote failures, then it becomes a failure, right? You realized, you know, hey, this isn't for me. This isn't working. Let's change that. and And so you did. Been able to take months off out of the year for it, right? And that's 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 awesome. So, uh, freelance transformation. What I mean, I've been listening to the podcast for a long time. Uh, you had me on as a guest. What made you do that podcast?
0: Whew, that's a really great question. So there's a couple things. One is I, I wanted something else as well. I had too much time in my hands. I got into the point where I was basically working 20 hours a week. And running a nice little agency and being a naturally like ambitious and self motivated person, I found it hard to then just like sit down and watch TV or something like that. It just, you know, you got to be doing stuff. So at that point, I had worked with a lot of online business owners. So I thought to myself, well, hey, it would be awesome to do this. I've helped so many other online businesses make lots of money. Let's start an online business of my own. So I launched a podcast as a way to bring. Break in Which worked really well because it was a chance to talk to a lot of people in the space in a very short period of time and create those relationships. Uh, and it was also a lot of fun. I was kind of feeling that podcasting bug uh, where you just you, you want to do it. Um, and that turned into me building out a course called Freelance Start that I open enrollment for periodically on freelance transformation to my email list only. And it's been going on for three years. And it's just it's been a different journey. And it's had its own learnings. People assume that products are just objectively better than services. (laughs) Let me tell you, after having done both, it's not that simple. It is not. I I think eventually, anything you try, you get good at. um, But products have their own challenges. Building an online course was a challenge. Building an email list was a challenge. Recording a podcast episode every single week, that is a challenge. But it's a lot of fun. And it's the next chapter. And it's a chance to share and solidify a lot of what I've learned. That's the other thing that people don't realize is sometimes the best way to learn something is to teach it because it allows you to process your own experience in ways that otherwise you wouldn't have processed
1: it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you said it about the product thing (laughs) because... It's definitely, it's definitely, it's an old beast, right? Like it's, it's. you always feel like the grass is always greener until you're over that fence and on that grass, you're like, wait a second, I should have stayed over there. What's going on? But uh yeah, I you know, it's podcast bug. I mean, I, you know, I have this podcast, which is a seasonal. I started a daily podcast, which that I did as it as sort of an experiment because I was getting asked questions and, you know, I do mentor, you know, other freelancers and people email me all the time and I'm on open book. I don't mind doing answering questions and emails and things like that. But then I I struggled with it because I I was getting some of the same questions and over and over again. And I thought, well, let me do this daily thing for a a month, see what happens. Right. And uh, it's just a very like five minutes, about five minute podcast. And I'm just answering a question and that, you know, for me that it's been therapeutic. Right. And, you know, at the time of this recording, it's going to be the 75th episode. And so, you know, it's, it's something like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) It's been fun. And, you know, it's definitely something to upkeep every every day, but I've got built it into my every day, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's fun to do. And just to be able to like you're saying, like to be able to voice and express what you've learned to someone else or many someone else's. Sometimes you even learn other things, right? So it's podcasting for me. I love podcasting. I've been on several podcasts as co-hosts and things like that. And I've always enjoyed doing it. Like, I'd much rather do this than write a blog post. Like, blog, like, like I just, it's just not one of those things, right? So, yeah, I, definitely. If you haven't heard his podcast yet, definitely go check that out freelancetransformation.com. Um, I'll also link it up in the show notes for sure. But um, it's a great show every week, right? Like, right on time, clockwork.
0: Yep, every Monday morning. Yep. Yep.
1: So, um, so this has been great. Fantastic. Before I let you go.
0: So what's the future hold? That's a scary question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, that is a good question. So uh, definitely continuing with my agency. Now that I have an online business and products and stuff, people always ask, well, do you still do website development? I mean, that is still my primary business. And for the foreseeable future, it'll continue to be. uh, There's no desire to get out of that. And I am continuing to grow it. But I'm just growing it very strategically. So instead of growing it by building a big team in an office and so on, I'm growing it in terms of getting deeper and deeper in our positioning, getting deeper and deeper into the idea of providing services to very similar clients. So there's a lot of overlap, there's a lot of code reuse, things like that, a lot of efficiencies, and growing revenue, basically making more money, but not necessarily taking on more overhead. And I really do enjoy that. And I mean, I've got freelance transformation. And (laughs) just recently... Uh, My wife and I started a woodworking business as well. So we're now selling woodworking products. Uh, We're going to have our first market soon. And that's the kind of thing that I'm not expecting that to become like a giant multi-million dollar business. I'm just doing it because it's fun. Right? right and and the idea of just like having a product like a physical product and being there at the market and like shouting at people walking by and getting them to come over and selling them stuff it just it just seems so cool so there's there's always things to do but i'm not trying to put myself in a position where i'm spending more of my days doing stuff i don't want to be doing i'm not trying to increase my workload i'm just trying to find other ways to enjoy life and enjoy my work and not create something that i'm going to be miserable in
1: yeah I. well that sums it up perfectly right well this has been awesome thanks again matt for all all the time and definitely that your journey sharing your journey i know that it's been you know ups and downs but it definitely sounds like it's on the up trend for good now and uh, that's always a great thing so where can folks reach out and say thanks
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you visit freelancetransformation.com, I have a free email course there that you can sign up for. And of course, you're probably listening to this on your podcast player. So search out Freelance Transformation, hit subscribe, and you'll have access to tons and tons of really awesome freelancing interviews as well. And yeah, that's basically it. Awesome.
1: Well, thanks again. And everybody listening out there, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. I know that there are a lot of people out there that want to build that agency, that want that lifestyle, and then realize maybe it's not for you. So I hope Matt helped you in that way. If you enjoyed this episode, then head on over to liveinthefeast.com and subscribe. As a thanks, head on over to iTunes and leave Matt and I a five star rating and review, as it's going to help others find this episode as well. Next week, I'll be back with Val Geisler, where she shares how she niched down her business of writing emails very early on in her career and how it's all to show her daughters that they can do anything. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast.